0: Hello and welcome to our podcast, Boozy Books and Movies, where my wife and I are going to get really drunk and talk about books and then how they compare to their movie or TV show counterparts.
1: Hello and welcome back to Boozy Books and Movies. My name's Melina.
0: And my name is Colton. And this week, we are going to be continuing our discussion of the outsider book... Not the show. Right. We're going to continue on with, I think it's chapter three, right? Or is it chapter four? four? It's chapter four.
1: Four. We did two, I think, the time before it was, because there was like a really short one. Mm -hmm. The arraignment, I think, was like super short.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Moving on. And that chapter is called Footsteps and Cantaloupe. But first, I have a new drink in front of me.
1: (laughs) I am scared. I am so scared of this.
0: So what it looks like to me is like a it's like bubbly and so it kind of looks like a light like it's like if it's like watered down Coke is kind of what it looks like uh, yeah like a that's what it looks like like a Dr Pepper that's been watered down I you w- know.
1: oh I wish it was Dr Pepper that's <laughs> going <laughs> <want> smell <laughs> it.
0: oh that is definitely tequila absolutely not no what is that I know what that is. It's disgu- It's that one drink that we think is disgusting. What What's is that it? one drink? The one liquor. Oh, I know what that is.
1: <laughs> you should sniff in the shot glass right now.
0: I know what that is. It's disgusting.
1: It's the brown stuff. It's gotta be awful. It has to, it literally. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Mm. Okay, here we go. Um, it doesn't taste
0: like what it smells like.
1: Okay, good.
0: You didn't like that? <laughs>
1: Oh, that's bad.
0: You do not like that.
1: Oh. Mm. No, I do not like that. It's Kahlua.
0: Oh. I thought that was coffee.
1: Yeah. Tasting. It is.
0: It doesn't taste like coffee.
1: You can't taste it? Ugh.
0: No. It doesn't taste. It tastes completely different, I think.
1: Okay. So, what this drink yeah. is called, which is why I chose it, is the mind eraser. Because that is a possibility that we've talked about in the past that. Um, Terry Maitland could have had some sort of mind erasing going on. So that was why I chose it. But, um, sounds disgusting. So it has half ounce of coffee liquor, which is Kahlua. Mm -hmm. Half ounce vodka. Mm. And one ounce lemon lime soda or Sprite is what I use. Which sounds like an absolutely disgusting combination. I think it is. I don't
0: think it's that bad. That's hilarious. I think it's actually pretty, pretty okay. I didn't cringe at all, really. It was...
1: I mean, yeah, I guess it wasn't, like, that alcoholic taste that you usually get, but it's just not.
0: Oh, okay, now I'm tasting the coffee a little bit.
1: And maybe that was it. Maybe because I knew it was in it and I was, like, looking for all the parts and I'm just, like... The vodka I... goes with anything, but yeah. it's the lemon, lime, and the coffee that tastes really weird to me. But
0: I don't, ta- I don't taste the Sprite at all.
1: Hmm. It just know. is giving you that bubbly...
0: Yeah. I think that's it's what, just kind of like, to me, it's just like watering it down.
1: That's what added the bubbles, the carbonation to right, it. Right, right. Was the sprite?
0: Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's so
1: Please cold. Please don't throw up. <laughs> I'm not going to throw up. It's just disgusting. <laughs> okay. I need water. Hold yeah. on. One second. I regret my decision. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you chose
1: it. I did. I chose it because I was like, "Ooh, the name is like perfect." And mm-hmm. we'll see. Because of you know stuff being limited in grocery stores, I'm trying you know not not to go out as often. So trying to use like alcohol we have. So we have the Kahlua and we have the vodka. All we had to get was Sprite. So mm-hmm. trying to get stuff that isn't too out there and crazy. Because there are some recipes I want to do, but they have like 30 ingredients, none mm. of which we have. And I'm like, I don't really want to spend, you know, 100 bucks just to make one drink. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you ready?
0: Yeah. We've got a pretty exciting episode mm-hmm. coming up. We're not doing the whole uh, chapter of Footsteps and Cantaloupe. Just we're just doing the, the beginning part of it. First oh,
1: eight sections. First
0: eight sections we're going to discuss today. But there's a lot that goes on.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, the whole reason for the name of the chapter is in one of my sections. We've started, we're going to split this up a little bit differently. We were kind of doing it before, but so we're both reading the whole section, but we're only taking notes on, like, every other, like, section. Mm -hmm. So you're going to section one, I'll do two, you're doing three, I'm doing four. So we're just going to kind of trade back and forth. So even though we read the other person's section, we didn't write anything down Yep. about it. Okay. So... You're, you start
0: cool so this whole chapter takes place from July 18th to July 20th this the first section starts with Ralph
1: I feel like a lot of this is about Ralph so yeah. far. yeah
0: so Ralph has a suspicion about Samuels that he doesn't tell his wife Jeannie um, Jamie
1: Jeanette <laughs> I, I
0: thought Jeanette was Bill's wife
1: no it's Ralph's oh all right. I swear. Because I swear I wrote down her name like eight times in here. Yeah, Jeanette Anderson.
0: Well, Ralph has a suspicion about Samuels. That Samuels really was hoping for the crowd of righteously angry people outside of the courthouse when they delivered Terry to the courthouse. Right. And he was hoping that there'd be this crowd there that maybe something would happen. Maybe Terry would get injured or even killed. That's what Ralph is kind of thinking.
1: Which is really sad because I mean, that means Samuels really didn't care about anyone else there. He that means he doesn't really care about Ralph. Because Ralph is standing literally next to Terry. Like mm-hmm. he could have easily been shot. If Samuels right. you know, had any sort of respect for his co worker, you know, he would have let him in on that. Mm-hmm. Like that, that may have that, that was his suspicion. But I mean especially Based off, I feel like, something he says later, I think it's definitely true.
0: Yeah, it's very obvious that Samuels is in it for his job, and Ralph is more right. of the caring type or whatever. But, so Ralph doesn't tell his wife about this suspicion. <laughs> and so Bill Samuels comes to their house, knocks mm-hmm. on the door, and says that he wants to see Ralph. And so Ralph's wife lets him in and says, you know, he's out back. Um, but instead of just going straight back to talk to Ralph...
1: Yeah, this is a little weird. <laughs> yeah.
0: Bill Samuels follows Ralph's wife and asks her how Ralph is. Right. And she's like, How do you think he is? And Bill Samuels is like, Yeah, I guess. But um, it turns out that Derek, um, Ralph's son, found out that um, Ralph was suspended and that his favorite coach, Coach Terry, was gunned down in front of the courthouse. Mm -hmm. Um, Which obviously is messed up for a kid that was, uh, you know, a direct, you know, Terry was his mentor for a long time yeah, and he wasn't around for his arrest or anything. So he still has that memory of this, you know, it's Terry. Like he's a a good good guy. guy Right. Bill mentions that Ralph is only on administrative leave and he's with pay. um, And that's just mandatory after a shooting incident. Like it's no big deal.
1: I mean, this is something you see in, like, TV shows all the time with, you know, cops and detectives and stuff. If, you know, if there is something, if you do end up shooting and killing somebody, you are put on a strict leave, and I think that's probably what happens in real life, too. I don't really know that for sure, but that would be my guess. Because
0: that could mess you up, you know. Oh, yeah. If you do that, if you, you know, and then go straight back to work, you know. Mm -hmm. Um. But then she says that Ralph might be off for six months if he agrees to a psych evaluation. And then Bill says, why wouldn't he agree to it? So Jeanette says that Ralph is thinking of pulling the pin. Samuel says, in that case maybe we can go into business together. This town needs a good car wash. (laughs) Um, Essentially he says, I've decided not to rerun for election um, because he obviously knows that He's kind of fucked with this whole situation with Terry. And Jeanette says, going to quit before Johnny Q. Public can fire you. That was pretty much all I had. Because I don't think he goes out to talk to Ralph yet in nope. section two. You
1: yeah, know, this, I literally a page front and back written on section two. Yeah, section it's two is kind of
0: long, sorry. Section,
1: well, I wasn't even planning on writing, like, about the story Samuel said. And then I looked at the, I was like, wait. The chapter is literally called Footsteps and Calum, so I have to write about these two metaphors. Okay. So, section two, uh, Samuels goes outside, out back, and Ralph is sitting in a lawn chair with a beer in hand, um, and I think it said like, a styrofoam cooler on the ground, too. He glanced back at the door when he heard it open, maybe, like, he thought his wife was coming out, but when he saw Samuels, he just, like, turned back around. He was, like, looking at a tree in the neighbor's yard, I think, and, um... They talked about, like, birds they might have seen for a minute.
0: Yeah.
1: And then Samuels asked why Ralph is thinking about retiring. They talk about the cameraman, um, whose camera Ralph had hit with a bullet. Pieces of the camera went everywhere, including the camera- one of ca- the cameraman's eyes, um, and that he was probably going to lose his eye.
0: Yeah.
1: And Ralph seemed pretty upset about that because, you know... What can a cameraman do without an eyeball? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of your job. Yeah. Um. Apparently, his wife also called and yelled at Ralph, saying she was going to sue them. Um, Whose wife? Uh, the cameraman. Oh, the cameraman. His wife called yes. and said oh, okay, that yeah. she was going to sue everyone. Right. Samu- Samuel's trying to reassure Ralph, says, Ralph, you need to listen to me now. Maitland killed Frank Peterson. Peterson's brother killed Maitland. Most people see that as frontier justice. And why not? The state was a frontier not that long ago. And then Ralph says, Terry said he didn't do it. That was his dying declaration. And then Ralph and Samuels argue back and forth for a bit on whether or not Terry did it or not. Um, Samuels is just very convinced that Terry still did it and Ralph is not. Right. Um, Samuels finally got to why he came to see Ralph. They figured out who had originally stolen the white van. And I think we already talked about this yeah. a little bit because we had the interaction between Merle... Cassidy and the police officer that, like, arrested him. Merlin. Yeah. His nickname is, like, Merle, I think, oh, okay. though. 12 um, year old boy, Merlin Cassidy, uh, district in Ohio. Samuel tells Ralph that he is not running for re election. They talk about all the things they could have, like, done differently. Well, Ralph talks about things they should have done differently, and Samuel's like, defends all of their actions. Right. Especially, like, with the courthouse and the, how they should have gone back, and stuff, and Samuels they definitely just,
0: should have gone back, yeah, yeah,
1: Samuels is just defending everything they did, and Ralph is saying that no, we should have done things differently, yeah, um, so they they talk about how the case is now o b i open but inactive, mm-hmm. Samuels tells Ralph a story about a bride following her husband's footsteps in a desert, and the track's just stopping. And then related it to Terry's track stopping. So, I, the metaphor story was about, like, it was a bride and groom. They, like, spent the night in the desert. Not really fucking sure why anyone would spend their <laughs> wedding night in a desert. But whatever. And, like, she woke up and he was gone. And then she, like, followed his footsteps over, like, three dunes. And then his tracks just stopped. So, they related that to, like, Terry and how his tracks in the case pretty much just stopped. Because he died. I mean. Yeah.
0: And so it's kind of saying <laughs> there's no more case to this. Right. You know, Terry's dead, the case is solved. Right. And Samuel's there's is no saying reason that, to yeah. mm-hmm. there's no reason to continue pursuing this. Right. When obviously Terry was the killer and his he's dead now, so it doesn't matter, so stop worrying about it.
1: Right. I think Samuel's is just trying to clear his own conscience at this point. Yeah. Um, rather than anyth- anything else. Um so Ralph in turn tells Tam Sa- Wow. Tell Samuel's a story about Ralph when he was, like, a young boy, like, 10 or 11. His mom used to bring him home cantaloupes from the farmer's market. And this was, like, frequently, so he knew how to cut them and stuff. So Mm -hmm. one day his mom brought one back, and he went to cut through it, and it was full of maggots and flies. So he said the cantaloupe looked fine on the outside. The skin was whole, but somehow bugs got inside. Um, Samuel says, fuck your cantaloupe and fuck your metaphor. (laughs) And then Samuel tells Ralph not to quit because then people are really going to think they screwed up on this case. Um, Ralph laughs at him and says, but we did. Don't you know that yet, Bill? We did. Royally. We bought a cantaloupe because it looked like a good cantaloupe, but when we cut it open in front of the whole town, it was full of maggots. No way for them to get in there, but there were. And then Samuel storms out on Ralph. Um, That was kind of...
0: Yeah, that's a pretty impactful section. Mm Mm-hmm. I think... uh... Section three is pretty important and impactful, too, for a couple of reasons. It's short. It's very short. Mm -hmm. But it has a a couple (laughs) of details that I would like to highlight. So when we get into that, let's... Let's Time for a shot. So section three. This is the first sentence. (laughs) I thought it was crazy.
1: Uh, Are we talking about Fred right (laughs) now?
0: (laughs) Shortly after midnight, quote, Mm -hmm. er, or parenthesis... Around the time the last remaining member of the Peer- Peterson family was learning how to make a hangman's noose, end parenthesis, Marcy Maitland awoke to the sound of screams from her elder daughter's bedroom. I just think it's so hilarious how casually they throw in, Fred I know. is making a noose.
1: <laughs> right? You know? I literally, I think I had to read that like three times and I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? And then I was like... No, no, no. Wait, what? <laughs> I need to go back through that like three times because so I'm like, wait, what the fuck is happening right now?
0: Because this section has nothing to do with Fred. It's no! just, it's setting the time frame. Okay, this is midnight. Fred is making a news. But while Fred is making a news, <laughs> this is happening. Oh my god. <laughs> so, um, Marcy hears sounds of screams um, coming from her elder daughter's bedroom. So Marcy obviously runs to the bedroom and Grace apparently thought there was a man in the room so she's like sitting up pointing at the window
1: and this i think we kind of got the corresponding scene in the show already for right. this section
0: and that be- that in the show it came before the arraignment the arraignment in the mm-hmm. book it came after the arraignment which right. is very slightly different i guess yeah. but i don't know what kind of significance that would have I don't but know. i think it's interesting because in the show they don't she doesn't mention something that I haven't got to yet, so Right. Um, so Grace saw there was a man in the room, so she's pointing at the window. and she uh, described him as his hair was short and black, it was standing up, his face was lumpy like play doh, and he had straw for eyes. Did she mention straw eyes in the show? No, I didn't she think just so. like
1: was screaming.
0: Right. So I think that's kinda interesting. And so Marcy was like trying to rationalize it. She was thinking how the police were still supposed to be making a pass at their house every once in a while," mm-hmm. um, said Howie. Um, so she she didn't really think there was a man there. Right. Um, and then also, so Grace is the older daughter, but the younger daughter Sarah was also <clears throat> sleeping in that room, right. and she didn't believe there was a man in the room either. Um, but Grace was very, very convinced. And but they all just assumed it must have been a nightmare.
1: Right. Which, I mean, this is kind of different from what happened in the show, because the way that she described the man face, like, lumpy, like, Play-Doh, Shaws, this makes it seem very like it was a nightmare, which mm-hmm. in the show, it just seemed fucking creepy. Yeah. So, I think that's kind of the difference, is in the show, it was definitely more, like, realistic, like, she could have seen a ghost or something.
0: Yeah. But okay. in the
1: book, I feel like it's definitely just, like, a nightmare. I don't think so. You don't think so? Do no. You think there's somebody with a fucking straws fries running around?
0: Considering it c- comes back up again, yeah,
1: it does. But I don't remember where, and I don't think I wrote it down.
0: So Grace and uh, Sarah <clears throat> go to Marcy's bed. Um, Grace falls asleep, and the younger daughter Sarah says to Marcy that um, she was scared she, that she is scared of Terry's funeral. Uh, Marcy says that she is also scared and that they all miss him very much. It hurts. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then that's the end of section three.
1: Okay. Okay. So, shortly after 3 a.m. is how this section starts. So, the last one was shortly after midnight. Uh Now, it's shortly after 3 a.m. And then, in parentheses, around the time Fred Peterson was trudging out into his backyard with a footstool from the living room in his left hand and his hang rope (laughs) over his right shoulder.
0: I... Why does it take three hours to finish your noose and then walk outside? Like, what was he know. doing for three know. hours?
1: He was on Wikipedia. Maybe it took a while. To I out guess. Was
0: on, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so
1: Jeanette Anderson woke up to pee, and Ralph was not in bed. She went downstairs and found him in his recliner, staring at the TV that wasn't on. Like he was just staring at a blank TV screen. That's not creepy, right? Ralph said something was nagging at him, but he couldn't really place what it was. Something that Samuels had said in that conversation that I talked about a few minutes ago. Jeanette asked if it was about the 12-year-old kid that sold the van, because obviously Ralph had told his wife everything. And Ralph said maybe, and that he would go check on the takeout menu they had found in the van. Um, like, the next day. Jeanette told Ralph about an Edgar Ellen Poe story about two people named William Wilson who looked alike and sounded alike, and that the first one led a life of crime, blamed it all on the second one, and then in the end, William Wilson, number one, had a hallucination and he thought he was killing the second, like, look-alike one, but really, he just committed suicide. So you would think that that meant that there was only one all along, but there was two, but it was, like, a hallucination I don't know. It was weird. Edgar Allan Poe's weird. That's yeah. I've read a lot of his stories. That's actually not one I had read. Um, I think there's another mention in the book of the one with the cat in the wall too. I don't remember where that one is, and I know I didn't write that down if it was in my section. But I just think it's interesting that he. I didn't realize that Stephen King was such a big uh, Edgar Allan Poe fan. I mean, to mention two stories in one book is a pretty I don't know. big thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Jeanette says to Ralph, what if the only answer to the two Terrys is supernatural? Um, and then they kind of went back and forth about, like, religion and Ralph, like, does not believe in supernatural, like, anything. And then Jeanette says, come upstairs and let's get funky (laughs) and maybe we'll both sleep. I just thought that was a funny (laughs) way to, and then, like, I didn't write this down, but I know, like, Ralph was, like, thinking about the case while they were having sex, which is kind of weird, but.
0: (laughs) When they were. Fucking. Oh my god.
1: It was literally like it literally said the only point he wasn't thinking about it was when he was like orgasming.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm like this Which is, is kind of weird. weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's all I have for the fifth section.
0: Awesome shot.
1: Or er, four. Sorry.
0: Yeah, it is four. That was
1: section four. I just saw six, and I automatically thought fifth. I oh, don't fucking know, man. Thanks for listening, and you can find us on Instagram under Boozy Books and Movies. That is all spelled out, no spaces. Our Twitter is at Boozy Book Movie. Our email is boozybooksandmovies at gmail.com, and our PayPal uses that email also if you would like to donate to us. Thanks so much, and don't forget to listen every Monday.